great. But here's what he did. Rhyme it. Do you know how to rhyme it? Oh, please just rhyme it. And he really gets into it. Do you know how to rhyme it? Yes, of course. We will you don't even have to think about it. So let's rhyme it today. Rhyme it. Yes. We are going to rhyme it. Just that's where he just ran down. Everybody, amazing. I'm not going to remember any of it. That's the way to go. the Rams today and Rammy. Now he's like on his feet. How are you guys? Who's Wow. Rammy. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Rams Brothers. I'm your host, Dean, and I'm joined, as always, by my brother and the other fantastic host of this show, Nick. And Nick, we got the Ravens this weekend traveling to Baltimore. The 500 Rams, but first and most importantly, how are you, my good brother? I'm good. The Ravens, you know, I totally called it last week because everything I've seen this week from Rich Eisen and Colin Cowherd is how the Rams are surging at the right time. And uh oh, watch out, Ravens. You know, this is a scary game. But everything I said was don't worry about this game. Think about the next coming games. Yeah, sure. The Saints, the Commanders, very winnable. This one I'm scared of. Uh, but that's a long-winded way of saying I'm doing pretty good, Dean. Yeah, rightfully so, though. I think there's a reason to be scared. I'm glad you're doing well. But I think that on Sunday, the tone may change. This is a really, really difficult opponent. The Baltimore Ravens are definitely prepared, coming off of a bye, to face the Rams in their home stadium. So what we're dealing with right now, the Ravens are 9-3. and three, The Rams are 6-6. Six and six. The Rams are seven-point underdogs in this game. So you bet 100, you win $375. The Rams are plus 275 to win the game outright. The over-under total is at 40 points, and 91% of the bets have been placed on the Rams so far. So you're no, looking no. at – this. 91 of at, the bets are placed on Baltimore, it says. I'm sorry, 91% of the bets are placed on, the, on Baltimore, right? So – that there's no belief in terms of what the public believes in the Rams. Everything is siding towards Baltimore, rightfully so. It makes sense. And the Rams' playoff odds, when they're entering week 14, they have a 43% chance of making the playoffs, according to ESPN Analytics. Their chances improved to 67% with a win on Sunday against the Ravens, and they only dropped to 30, 35% with a loss. So not a huge loss if they do end up losing the game. It's an AFC opponent. Um, and we're talking about how difficult this is going to be in terms of a matchup with Lamar Jackson, the three-headed rushing attack, and everything they have to offer from a defensive perspective. But before we jump into it, can you believe it? Breaking news, the Rams have signed a kicker. Unbelievable. Mason Crosby to the practice squad. The intention is to move him up to the active roster in the near future. After 16 years of kicking with the Green Bay Packers, the 39-year-old will finally suit up with his second NFL team, and it will be the Los Angeles Rams. Mason Crosby, Nick, I, I can't imagine how excited you are to wake up to this news. He was upwards of 86% last year for the Packers, only missed one field goal within 50 yards. He was only one of four on 50-plus on yarders, so it might not quite might quite not be Greg the leg, but he'll make the kicks when you need him to, and I, I think that's exactly what this Rams team needed. Well, I think that – they believe right now that they're in a good position to actually get in the playoffs and startle some of these higher echelon teams. Uh, and with a signing like Mason Crosby, that's a guy That's a guy that we know is a guy. He's a baller. He's done it before. He's been on a Super Bowl winning team. He's been with the Packers forever. It's going to be so weird to see him in horns, but I'm going to love it. And I'm happy that they're actually listening to the pod because we've said you can't, you know, 
it's going to bite you in the ass if you have Luke on your team going further because you, you're going to need to be clutch in those moments. You're going to need to be somebody or have somebody that can drill a 40-yarder for you with no problem. Indoors. And Mason, yeah, Mason Crosby is that guy. So I'm very happy to see that. That was great news to wake up to at like 6.30 a.m. You and Dad are blowing up my phone saying that we got Crosby. And, and I'm just happy. That's great. Yeah, I mean, that. so we got Mason Crosby. It seems like there's a formidable kicker on the Rams' roster at this point. Finally, Lucas Havarisic is still going to stick around. He's going to be on the practice squad. So hopefully you can groom him. You can let him kind of watch behind Mason Crosby and and be hopeful that they can get their kicking the game, game together. It's a 45-yard field goal indoors. you got to make it, and Mason Crosby will do that job. But the Rams' schedule, Nick, after Baltimore, you talked about this right as soon as we jumped off. Um, it, this schedule for the Ravens is really, really difficult. The Rams' schedule, however, is not like they got Washington and the Saints on Thursday night football at home in back-to-back weeks after Baltimore. And then they got the Giants on the road before they have to play the 49ers. But the Ravens, however, they have nothing but playoff teams on the remainder of their schedule. After us, it's Jacksonville in Jacksonville. It's the 49ers in San Francisco, the Dolphins at home, the Steelers at home. So they don't have the luxury of saying, if we could just get through this game, we'll be okay. You have a r- ridiculous tough slate of, of playoff teams that are just kind of waiting to see what you're made of in late December, early January. And that's where the Ravens are going to be able to make their money, right? You got to be able to stay healthy, get through that final five game push and try to remain at the top of the AFC, right? They're the current two seed right behind the Miami Dolphins tied at nine and three, but those are the top two seeds in the AFC. So as yeah. difficult as it possibly could be, how great this defense is, how efficient they are from a rushing perspective on offense, you just have to be able to come into this game prepared, come into Baltimore like it's 2021, and try and be able to steal a victory late in the game in overtime. Based uh, based on their coming schedule, I believe you know they're probably going to like if they lose the next two game against us and against San Francisco or uh, and against Jacksonville, who now has a backup, so it's not going to be Trevor Lawrence. Right. Um, if you can, Good if you point. lose those two games, I foresee them maybe just trying to finish out the season just to get on top of their division and not even worry about seeding. But yeah. in this scenario, I they're probably looking at us like this is the team that we have to beat now. We beat them, we beat Jacksonville, and then you know we'll see where, where the chips lie, maybe not worry about that San Francisco game so much, and then that Dolphins game could be for the number one seed. Yeah. So – yeah, they're going to come in hot, 100%. It's going to be at home. And we saw what the Rams have done this year against teams with winning, like very good teams with winning records. Look at their game against the Eagles. Look at the Cowboys game. Like they've been bulldozed over a couple times now this season. So, you know, they're getting hot at the right time, but there's a real shot that that, you know, Ravens minus seven line is – easily coverable especially I think they played uh, I thought they played the it, Eagles and the Niners really tough earlier on in the season obviously the Cowboys was a massive flop but you got to be able to put it together and this is going to be a situation where the weather might actually be a factor like it looks like there's going to be heavy rain and 20 mile per hour winds expected in Baltimore this upcoming Sunday it's going to be 60 degrees so hopefully the rain can hold off but it might be a little bit sloppy in terms of how you're going to set up your game plan and, and what you need to be able to come prepared with. And then the buys and the bye week that the Ravens are coming off of and injuries, like they're 12 and three coming off of the buy under John Harbaugh. So 
you know, that's it's incredible. That's insane. Really well. That's like yeah. Andy Reid's record. That's not talked about enough. That's it's incredible. definitely not. And it will be continuously talked about if they keep winning off the bye and they don't have to travel. So the injuries and preparation shouldn't be a huge concern for them. The only player on the roster that isn't practicing as of today is Rashad Bateman, which doesn't make any sense. Ronnie Staley, OBJ, Trenton Simpson, they were all back in practice today. Marlon Humphrey says he feels great. They're still without J.K. Dobbins, who uh, went down earlier this season with an Achilles injury and Mark Andrews with an ankle. But their three-headed rushing attack of Justice Hill and Keaton Mitchell and Gus Edwards totally replaced J.K. Dobbins. And Isaiah likely has has filled in and stepped up pretty nicely um, in Mark Andrews' absence. So, there is a lot to unpack in this episode. The Ravens' offense, Nick, the Ravens and Lamar Jackson, Lamar Jackson specifically against the NFC, absolutely baffling stat. He's only lost once to NFC opponents. One time in his career, he's 17-1, and one, and his only loss came to the Giants last year in New York in a season where it seemed like the Giants stole every single one possession game and somehow squeaked into the divisional round. Um so, I mean, what do you have to make of that? Like, this is a team, Lamar Jackson, an NFC opponent that, you know, knows how to get the job done. If you want me to be honest, I think the the Ravens are the Super Bowl team right now. They are the yeah. best team in the league. They have all of the pieces. You can put them right up there with San Francisco. But obviously, if you look at them from quarterback to quarterback, their quarterback's way better than Brock Purdy. So, okay. I, I mean, yeah. they're having a fire year. Lamar got paid. He's staying healthy. So, I mean – Seventeen to one against the against the NFC is absolutely unheard of. That record is insane. Um, hopefully, you know it's seventeen to two. But yeah, I mean the Rams have a huge, huge task ahead of them in trying to stop this offense and then trying to get anything going on on uh, on their own offense. Because yeah. when you know when it comes to the Ravens' offense, even in games they lose, they're still like putting up like 28, 30 points sometimes. So yeah. it, like you're gonna have to get into a shootout. And I just don't know if, I guess that's more likely than us losing a close gritty game. So again, yeah, it's odd because the over-unders have 40, but I mean, like the say was the same for the Cleveland Browns game and they went way over. They almost went over themselves with 37 points. Yeah. This but it was 20 game. to 19 for quite some time. And it looked yeah, like this. You're right. And, and yeah. Which was right on the line, right before the John Johnson interception. So this is what's really interesting, right? It's like offensive per game. The Rams are dead center in the middle of the league. So total yards per game, they're 14th. Passing yards, they're 15th. Rushing yards, they're 15th. Points, they're 13th. And third down percentage, they're 13th. And then total defense, also right in the middle of the pack. 16th, 15th, 16th, 14th, and 19th in terms of total yards, passing yards, rushing yards, points, and third down percentage. The Ravens, however, that's this is where they're a juggernaut, right? It's their rushing yards. They're first in the league with 158.6. They score a ton of points. They're seventh in the league in points. They're tied seventh on third down conversions. So there are a lot of keys within this game that I feel like are going to be able to help us, specifically as it relates to Lamar Jackson. In his losses this season, which I think are, are really interesting, they're all obviously one-possession games. But the, the Indianapolis game in October threw 31 times, 202 yards, zero touchdowns, zero interceptions, and he was sacked four times. That's the common denominator in all three of his losses is that he's been sacked three or four times. 38 pass attempts against the Steelers in October, 236 yards, no touchdowns, one interception, and then 23 attempts for 223 yards and a touchdown and two picks against Cleveland, which is their most recent loss. He has 11 fumbles on this season. He's lost six of them and lost a fumble in both the Colts and Steelers' losses. 
So that to me, I think is, is pretty staggering. If you're able to be able to, to generate enough pressure, not to the point where you're over pursuing, but you're containing him and keeping him within the pocket to the point where he's got to scramble up the middle and then run into a defense alignment, that's where you're going to be able to kind of force a turnover, especially if it's a longer down and distance and Lamar has to force something. So I, I like the advantage of being able to stay close within this game if you can contain the run somehow and be able to force Lamar Jackson to be one-dimensional and, and try and pass to beat you. To me, if you were to ask me, you know, if you were to ask me my key, my Rams <laughs> key, it would be forced turnovers on, you know, get to Lamar and kind of get the ball out because it seems like that is the that is the dividend of the losses. That is the parallel line, if you will. I'm just trying to say things that sound smart. But that's how you beat them. You force Lamar to turn the ball over. You do. You have to be able to force them to be one-dimensional. Their rushing attack it leads the entire NFL, right? Their rushing play percentage, 51.5%, rushing yards per game, rushing touchdowns per game. Like they, they're, they're leaders in everything. Between Lamar Jackson and the three-headed attack of Justin Hill, Gus Edwards, and rookie Keaton Mitchell, it's impossible to stop. You just have to be able to contain it. But when it comes to their pass attack, Nick, first off, Odell Beckham Jr. just came out today and said that Sean McVay totally revamped his love for football. So praise to Sean McVay. He should have more respect in terms of the Coach of the Year award. He's all the way towards the bottom, which doesn't make any sense. If you want to bet on Coach McVay to win the Coach of the Year, plus 4,000. Um, yeah, but that's how I think happen. he's doing you an incredible a job. to win Coach of the Year. That's just yeah, how it is. And you do. Probably going to be Dan Campbell, record. honestly. You're, yeah, of, of course. But, I mean, just the, the way that he has brought this team along from 2021 well, to I hear you. where he felt like he was going to retire but then revamp the love and spirit and energy in players like Odell Beckham Jr. and himself, it's just an incredible tribute to, to how great Sean McVay really is and how we hope that he stays for another 10, 15 years. Um, but then outside of, of OBJ, you know, you're talking Zay Flowers, Isaiah Likely, they're probably going to be the leaders in terms of targets. Rashad Bateman, Nelson Aguilar, and then Lamar's running backs are going to get all the remainder. But this pass attack, like when it features a ton of play action, it features a ton of crossers, and it only stays tr in true rhythm when Lamar Jackson is decisive in the pocket. But to me, this is where we can start implementing one of. Oh. We got a Dean's key, the first key of the game, Nick. I know that the Eagles and the 49ers game was played at the same time as the Rams and the Browns game. So a lot of us didn't have a chance to see it. But what Fred Warner did, you have to go back and watch this game. The way that he was used as a spy on Jalen Hurts and the way that they shut down the Eagles offense, we essentially need Ernest Jones to do the exact same thing. They made Jalen Hurts focus on the pass, on, on the pass rush more than he had a chance to even – go through his progressions and look down the field. He was so concentrated on what Nick Bosa was doing, what Javon Hargrave was doing, every, and Chase Young, the pressure that they were generating, but just to be able to contain him and consistently have him feel pocket while containing him in the pocket, have him feel pressure while they're containing him in the pocket and continuously spying on him is the key. It's operation, keep Lamar Jackson in the pocket by ultimately neutralizing his run threat and make the entire offense one-dimensional, as we mentioned. He needs to feel pressure consistently. He needs to feel disciplined pressure. You can't be consistently over-pursuing against Lamar Jackson. He'll run right past you. If he makes a mistake on third and long, it's imperative, A, 
to win on early downs. You have to be able to get them on, you know, second and eight to third and seven so that Lamar Jackson can be in some of those tougher situations, have to be able to fit a throw into a tight window on longer down and distances. You don't have to overly pursue the pass rush. You don't have to be over persistent with, with how you're rushing Lamar Jackson. You just have to be able to contain him enough to the point where he's either going to beat you with his arm or he's going to make a mistake in the pocket and fumble. Right. Yeah, I, getting to him, you know, bringing pressure and knocking that ball out of his hands and just making him uncomfortable throughout the entire game, I believe. Yeah, agreed. That That is a good key. Yeah, I didn't to watch any of that Eagles game, though. It's a shame. I haven't watched the highlights yet. I've been super busy. But I really want to watch at, at, at least the highlights of that Eagles 49ers game because, you know, the Niners are also a class in the NFL, whether we like it or not. And – for them to just stomp on the Eagles like that, it's it's it should be watched and it should be it should be uh, entirely agree. Yeah, I mean it's that is I think the masterclass in terms of how to shut down the Philadelphia Eagles and a quarterback that likes to consistently take off and run after he goes through his progressions and doesn't find what he likes. That's why those kind of guys can beat you. And I think the my my second key right as we're kind of working through all of this uh, defensively, this is a big one. Later on in the game, it's the Ravens' fourth quarter stats. And the Ravens' three losses this season, they've been outscored in the fourth quarter and overtime 39 to 12. All three losses have come by one single possession. It's a killer because if you can hang around and force a late turnover in this game the same way that they did the week prior against the Cleveland Browns, which is one of the teams that beat the Baltimore Ravens, you have a chance to knock them out. They've allowed 174 points this season and nearly half, so 83 points, have been scored in the fourth quarter or overtime. That's That's insane. It's absolutely insane. So, I mean, you're going to have eyes on guys like Aaron Donald. You heard John Harbaugh talk about Aaron Donald is probably the greatest player uh, to ever play that position. And, you know, you entirely agree. Like, what is there not to agree with in terms of Aaron Donald's greatness? I have faith. That the defense that is him was just really funny. It looked like he saw Aaron Donald running right at him. <laughs> it was in the middle of a video, and I just had to screenshot it just to get the grab. But when you're you're game planning for Aaron Donald um, and Raheem Morris's defense, like the Rams are not an uh, they're not over pursuing. Like they don't have speed edge rushers. Like you could just play contained football, defend the sidelines, and force everything to the middle of the field so that you can make plays and and try and stop this offense. It's possible. It's been done this season. So I have a lot of faith. Yeah. I And listen, if, if Kobe Turner and Aaron Donald are working together right now, it does feel like that is a special, you know, it's a special bond that these two guys have gotten where they're both getting home. And so it's Lamar though. So I'm trying to like temper my own yeah. expectations of, of how great we're going to look on defense, especially. Yeah, because, understandable. It's yeah. you're not before seeing, these uh, these three weeks of like you know where the defense is like getting out, beat the first drive, and then stopping everything. They were yeah. they did they were so consistently bad. And I just you're also that. talking Gino, Kyler, and Joe Flacco in three weeks, all less than twenty points. Like now you're talking about Lamar Jackson, former MVP. So it is a completely different ball game with what he's able to dice you up with both in the run and pass game, but they're so much more efficient in the run game. So try and get them to be one-dimensional. And then defensively, my um, 
I have a, my third key buried in the in the defensive preview, but the Ravens are second in total yards allowed per game this season. So they're right behind the Browns, whose average was just raised by the Los Angeles Rams um, with 273.9 yards allowed per game. So it's the same old story in the past game. They're second best right behind Cleveland at 171 yards per game. Their defense against the run is just a little bit better than the Cleveland Browns, but not by much. And then their edge rushers, what you're looking at, Jadavion Clowney, Odafe away. Like they are as good as it gets. Jadavion Clowney's having a career resurgence at number 24, probably the ugliest number an edge rusher could ever wear. And then interior defense alignment, Michael Pierce, and then Justin Matubike. And you obviously have Roquan Smith and Patrick Queen who are behind them in the nickel. These two players are absolutely unbelievable. This is the best linebacker tandem in football. 228 total tackles, five sacks, and two forced fumbles for Roquan and Patrick, Patrick Queen. Like this is the they're the ideal Mike and Sam linebacker that you'd have on your on your nickel. So I just as, as good as you could want. The more you just hype up this defense, is just you know if the Rams can get through the Browns defense and then immediately following the Ravens defense and somehow find a way to like make this work. Even if they lose, if they put up a lot of points against the Ravens, then I think they, they will have figured something out from the offensive perspective. And I think yeah. that they can win out the rest of the games and hopefully get lucky with some other teams losing and really sneak in because yeah, I mean the Browns game was the Browns game pretty much the whole time until the, until Joe Flacco threw that touch or through that interception. It, you know, it was back and forth. It was like really close no like huge offensive splashes outside of that Puka touchdown. Um, but if you can like really go toe for toe offensively with the Ravens here, you have to feel really good about your chances of getting in, even if it does dip to 30 after a loss, as they say. Yeah. Well, you've led me perfectly into the final. Dean's key. You've officially achieved three to advance this secondary, Nick Kyle Hamilton versus Cooper cup. That's a pay-per-view matchup. But then also Marlon Humphrey on Pukunakua and likely Brandon Stevens. Whomever is more likely to cover the X receiver is going to have to deal with Pukunakua. And Geno Stone has six interceptions. Their back end is definitely strong, but it's definitely a beneficiary to how insanely good this front seven is. This key, the Rams have to continue running the duo scheme. You have to continue running the duo scheme as well as their outside zone scheme and their power tosses to be able to stretch the edges out, out um, outside of the defense and like that to me, if you can continue to implement that, that's how they marry every single thing together because then they can lean on their play action. They can lean on their drop back game in the must have situations. And I'm not saying that they're going to have to lean heavily more so on the run or the pass in this game. Although it says the numbers suggest it probably should be more balanced, but McVay just has to stay within himself. Like I feel like if he keeps a feel for the game and doesn't allow for the defense to necessarily dictate what he wants to call, which some of the time he, it, it happens. It's, he falls victim to doing it. But Cooper Cup and Puka Nakua being on the field at the same time, if they're on the field for the majority of the offensive snaps in this game, I have absolute confidence that the Rams will put up at least 24 to 27 points in this game. Like I have no doubts. Like that's what they figured out their identity, who they want to be on offense. Throughout the duo scheme, that zone scheme, which we've seen kind of come back after the last, what, five, six years with Todd Gurley, their power pitch scheme, that toss scheme that they're running, where they're getting Kyron out in space and they're having Cooper Cup act as a fullback. They're doing so many great things. And 
I don't care if it's Demarcus Robinson at the X. I don't care if it's Tutu Atwell, whatever the game dictates. But I feel like them being a threat, both in as pass blockers and as run blockers, Puka Nakua and, and Cooper Cup, and being able to marry every single new concept together that they've been presenting to us over the last 12 weeks, that's their identity. Yeah. Their identity is we're going to throw the kitchen sink at you, and we're not going to predetermine our game plan. We're going to figure out what works in the flow of the game by having so many bullets in our arsenal. And that yeah, to me is why Marcus Robinson, I always faith in McVeigh. Shout out to Marcus Robinson for stepping up and scoring a touchdown last week and you know, hopefully being a, you know, a huge factor this week yeah. as well. I mean, I was not ready for that. I did not see that coming at all. And, yeah, I was blown away by, uh, by his He's the new Van Jefferson. Yeah, kind of. I mean, definitely. Doesn't really make sense. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if they like him as a blocker in some run game run situations, but I mean, he's a bigger bodied receiver, and I just feel like Puka Nakua and Cooper Cup can absolutely coexist in every single way. And Kyron Williams, like, you just got to continue to feed the beast. This is very much a Kyron Williams game. Matthews, this was a last game was Matthew Stafford beating you through the air through 37 attempts, and Kyron Williams only ran the ball 22, 23 times. You can be perfectly balanced in this game. You could run the ball 35 times and throw it 35 times. I think I that think would suggest that you you, you have play. to be perfectly yeah. balanced because you're you know the mistakes will add up if you continue to throw it. This I mean just kind of on like a blatant level of uh, like mimicking this team to like another Rams team. I would think it's the 2017 season. Because now I'm like just thinking like, oh, Demarcus Robinson, Sammy Watkins, and then Puka <laughs> and Cup are like yeah. Woods and uh, Cup, oh. and Kyron Williams is kind of like uh, Todd Gurley in a way. So I don't know. I just I just thought of that as spur of the moment. I figured I'd throw that in here. Yeah, yeah. It's a di- but they're adding just new dimensions to it. Like Puka no, Nakua no. being able to line up as the Z receiver maybe is a little bit more physical than Robert Woods, and maybe he's a you know, uh, I guess he just has more juice at this point because Robert Woods is a hell of a pass catcher. But and in 2017, he was as good as Puganuku is this year. But um, I don't know. I just I, I love what they're doing. I feel like they've finally found the right personnel to be able to make this whole puzzle work using quasi tight ends, 11 and a half personnel. Cooper Cup lined up in the slot, chipping an edge rusher. Like the extra protection that they had for Miles Garrett last week. Like that's exactly what you want to be able to kind of replicate against Davion Clowney in a way. So. I, there's faith to be had. That's all there I'm is, trying to say. There is faith to be had. I don't, I don't know how much of it I have, but I do love the fact that <laughs> 91% of the public money is on the Ravens. That's that's really good news. It's good news. And how about the fact that um, you know we're talking about kickers? Talked about Mason Crosby. He hasn't missed a field goal yet. Justin Tucker, on the other hand, isn't as good as he used to be. Believe it or not, he's only making 80.8% of his kicks this season, and the league average is right around 85%. I think Youngway Koo now has the best field goal made percentage in NFL history, and Justin Tucker is right behind him. That's got to be a, a hard torch to pass, man. <laughs> I mean, Justin Tucker's fine. He is, you know, he will be fine. He will continue to be great. Sure, he'll miss some, but. You know he's he's he is the goat of that position. Young way, yeah, I, I wouldn't mind a late miss, one possession win. That's no, how yeah, you're gonna have to win this game. It was so funny in that in that game where uh, in the 2021 season where we beat them late in the fourth quarter, where OBJ had that like late fourth quarter touchdown. Yeah, they had 
maybe like like 21 seconds or something to get like into field goal range after we scored that final, that final touchdown. Yeah. And I'm just, I'm like, Oh my God, that's just essentially that like, Oh, they, they just have to get to, to half uh, like, like the 50 yard mark. Cause Tucker's going to hit it. And, uh, and, and like they were dancing on special teams. I was like, don't dance yet. Tucker can hit this. And <laughs> they ended up not even getting close. So, you know, yeah. luckily we, we didn't have to see that. But Aaron Donald uh, sack on Tyler Huntley, I believe ended the game. Yeah, yeah, Von Miller sack. Or Von Miller was a Von Miller sack on Tyler Huntley. That's right. Yeah, no Lamar in that game. Aaron Donald hasn't played against Lamar Jackson since 2019 in that 46 oh. to 7 loss or whatever the hell it was. The last game ever in the uh, in the yellows, in the Ram yellows. Yeah. Yeah, dagger to the heart. But oh, yeah. redemption. Aaron Donald will coach up these kids. They're not going to be over pursuing Lamar Jackson. They're going to keep him contained. And maybe you see a late, a couple of late sacks and turnover. Same game plan that you had against um, Flacco late. Just be able to contain. But obviously, this is a completely different animal. Yeah. I think. I think I'm ready for the best time. I think of the it's week. time. I think it's time to go for to get the next pick. What do you say? Is it time? One more time. It's too good. Next picks. Let's go. Let's do it. Funny, I mean, this doesn't even have to do with the picks, but I'm going to throw it in here. Everybody last week just kept calling us the Mario Brothers. I don't know where that stemmed from. I guess the constant years of me making Mario references on that show. But I love it. You know, you can call us the Mario Brothers. I'll be Luigi. That's fine. I love it. I, it's, it's a huge compliment to me. <laughs> I don't know about Dean, but I love it. Nick's picks week 14. Welcome one and all, old and small, fat and thin, to Nick's picks week 14. Uh, where we hate the slate. We hate what we have in front of us, but that's not going to stop us from placing wagers because that's what this segment is about. We can't help it. It must be done. Usually when we don't like the slate, we tell everybody to go half units, but no, just go full units. It's Christmas time, and we need to keep the lights on over here. Kids need their bluey toys. Still a little mad at the bluey team for striking the copyright on one of our videos, but what are you going to do? It's a great show. Since it's Christmas time, we're going to try and give you a little Christmas carol here. Obviously, a Nick-themed carol. Just a little something to wet your whistle, old timer. I think uh, this one will be loved by all. And if you don't love it, you have to sit down and watch all of Candy Cane Lane, one of the worst Christmas movies I've ever seen. It's all Thank I you for saying it. that. I watched the entire thing last night, and it was so bad. Worse than Spirited. Oh, my God. Worse than Spirited. <laughs> I can't believe it. All right, here's the Nick's pick song. Well, way out west where it's never that cold, there's a tale of a gambler that you've never been told. He's a scummy little rat, all dressed up in blue, and he spends the whole year working just for you. It's the little Nick Pig. He's the little Nick Pig. Run, run, Dean. <laughs> Is that it? Yeah, that's it. <laughs> that may may have made me laugh the hardest. That song is single-handedly better than Candy Cane Lane. I promise yeah, you. Okay, there you go. I haven't seen it yet, but that was pretty damn good, so I would agree. More original. <laughs> All right. Let's move on to the actual gambling segment. Bucks at Falcons. Here we are again. My Baker Mayfield slash That's So Raven vision is potentially coming true. The Bucks are going to take down the Falcons and really fight for this 
horrible, terrible, ugly, yucky division. If Zach Wilson played last week against the Falcons, I think the Falcons would have lost, truly. But because nothing they did really worked, the Jets' defense gave them all kinds of trouble. And now coming off a strong victory, the Bucs are going to take one back from these scrummy Falcons. Here's how it goes with these C-level individual teams. I've seen it every year. Both of them, they take a game from each other. And for some reason, they always happen to do it in the other person's stadium. I think in my life, I can count upwards of 10 times I've seen the Giants and the Commanders where the Giants get the one in Washington and the Commanders win in New York. It happens every freaking year. Yeah. It's going to happen this year with the Bucks and, and Tampa or the Bucks and the Falcons. The Bucks are plus one and a half. Don't be a dummy. Take the points, not the money line. The money line's at like plus 102. Just take plus one and a half because you'll be happy when somehow the Bucks kicker misses the tying extra point at the end of the game and they, and they lose by one. 21 to 20, I'm going final score. Uh, I don't know who's going to score 21, who's going to score 20. I just know that the final score will be 21 to 20. Yeah, it doesn't matter because the Bucks score and uh, Bucks uh, cover in either situation, right? Correct. Yeah, I think you know, I do think that they will win. I think they're slightly better. I think the defense is a little more formidable, but just give me the plus one and a half. I I would agree. What do you got next? Game of slop. Game of slop. Houston at New York. Why is this game Texans plus three and a or, uh, minus three and a half? Give me one reason the Texans don't just roll over this Jets team. Yeah, maybe it's the cold weather. Well, guess what? I checked. We got a ninety percent chance of rain in Montclair, New Jersey this Sunday with a nice brisk 61 degrees. Little Nick's pigs pulling up the weather stats. How about that? That's what has to be why the total is so low at 33 and a half. Texans lose Tank Dell last week, a terrible blow for the morale of the team. But overall, I mean, you know, it's kind of like when the Rams lost Bobby Trees in 2021. I think they're going to rally behind that. Bobby Trees might have his best game in his Texans career. And I expect the Texans truly to bulldoze these stinky text, uh, Jets. I mean, come on. Most likely will be a lot of tomfoolery going on in this game, a lot of trick runs on both sides through the inclement weather. weather. But I do think 33-and-a-half is way too low. So we're going to go Texans plus three on top of over 33-and-a-half. You know what? Let's just buy, buy the hooks just in case. Texans minus three, over 33. Listen to Mr. Krabs, kids. The hooks – the hooks. Next thing you know, you'll be belly deep in a can of mayonnaise. 30 points against the Jets with no tank Dell, fully relying on Bobby Trees. Whew. We're going to the wheels fall off, boys. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Crab said something about mayonnaise in that hooks episode. Who can remember? I'm almost 30 dropping SpongeBob quotes on the reg. I don't know. Hey, if the Texans win, at least you're making money. Yeah. I think they'll win. Uh, Broncos at Chargers. So essentially, we have a Broncos home game, right? Because it's at SoFi. It's such a nice, easy joke to use that against the Chargers. And then when someone says that about the Rams, I get mad. You know, hey, we have fans. <laughs> Probably with the Chargers fans or listen to this pod are thinking, Ryan, I'll give you the Rams skinny. Why don't I? Anyway, I like the Broncos. Say what you will about Sean Payton, but he pulled a Chris Farley a la Billy Madison. I'll turn this damn bus around, which he did. He turned down the Broncos bus. He figured out a way to to take the Bronco to get us to talk about the Broncos in December, which is impressive in its own right. 
Around this time last year, the Rams dropped like 50 on them. With that, so Baker, I don't know how the Chargers keep losing. It's honestly puzzling to me. Like when they lost to the to the Packers, it, it made me so mad because I would have bet my life if, if if somebody put a gun to my head and was like, who's going to win this game? I would have said Chargers 100 times out of 100. And they lose. They find ways to lose. They're a bad team. Um, Staley likely fired at the end of the season because something's got to give. It's just too bad. Give me the Broncos plus three. Let's call it a week, 28 to 30. Chargers probably win. I don't know. I <laughs> 28 to 30. Maybe I'll say Chargers on top, but Broncos plus three still hits. And you got a quick pick for us? Yeah. Run it back real quick. We got Bucks plus two and a half. Or no, sorry. Bucks plus one and a half. Texans plus three. Over 33 in Texans Jets. Broncos plus three. My quick pick. I hate Green Bay. Give me Giants plus seven. I like a Giants upset on Monday night. I'll be at a trivia bar on a Monday night watching that game, being upset because I can't remember Hagrid's dog's name. (laughs) Trivia question. How the hell did the Giants cover seven points against the revamped, newly energized Green Bay Packers? Because they're not that. They're not. They're they're not that good. We need to be honest. Plus game for a loss. We, we need hey, to be on. We'll take it. Let's we're rooting. Go. We're huge Giants fans this weekend. Yeah, we need we need both the Vikings and the Packers to lose. So there are like against them. There are so many games this week. I feel like everybody's going to be betting on uh, Chiefs Bills, and then everybody's going to be betting on Dallas Eagles. And I saw the slate, and I said. I have no idea what's going to happen in those games. And I looked at these games and I was like, okay, maybe I can figure out what's going to happen. Hey, if you want to make some money, if you're going to enjoy the slate this weekend, if you're going to watch the Rams take on the the Ravens in Baltimore and hopefully get a win and improve to seven and six, make sure that you. Like, and subscribe. Thank you guys for listening. We very much appreciate you. And as always, go Rams. Go Rams from the Mario Brothers, apparently. Cheers. Cheers from Jim Everett, deep in the background of my video. Peace. Go Rams.